Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Shelley Fennell. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about the things that can go wrong in a sale and purchase agreement and things to watch out for. And again, we're joined by Shelley Fennell, who is a solicitor with Henderson Reeves. And when we met up this morning uh, to start talking about the sorts of things that, that uh, we were going to talk about on the show, Shelley was late. <laughs> and Shelley says to me, look, I'm so sorry, but we were just, I was just had a client meeting and there were so many things that we just needed sorting. And I actually, this is a great little case study for what can potentially go wrong in a transaction that a lawyer would usually pick up on. So what was the sort of situation this morning? So uh, the situation is that obviously uh, you can't buy property in New Zealand if you live in another country under the Overseas Investment Act. You can buy property here if you're a New Zealand citizen, you're Australian citizen or a Singaporean citizen, which seems a bit strange. But also you can buy property if you're a resident, a permanent resident in New Zealand, but you do have to satisfy a couple of things. You have to have lived in New Zealand for the preceding 12 months, you have to be tax resident and you have to have been present for 183 days out of the last 365 years. So I guess the the common uh, misconception is that it's okay to just be a permanent resident and that means you can buy property in New Zealand. That's not the case. You have some other uh, ingredients that you have to satisfy. And in this case, um, with with your client, um, this person hadn't been in the country for the full year. Absolutely. So a lot of people become residents and then they might work overseas for a while. So he hadn't actually been in the country for, or hadn't resided in New Zealand for the preceding year. And so I think uh, the the situation uh, was that as well, he was due to settle at some point uh, and it was about a couple of weeks short of, of him satisfying yeah. that condition. Yeah. And so what... what, what um, what could he potentially do? So uh, the, the ideal scenario is that we just push settlement out and then he can satisfy those requirements. Fantastic. So let's talk about a couple of others because we've got a lot on our list that we wanted to, wanted to go through. Uh, let's talk about covenants on the title because this is a really interesting one. What does that mean, that phrase, covenants on the title? So in, uh, usually in new subdivisions, but not always, uh, there will be some... I guess, restrictions or obligations that are noted on the title. So as an owner or an occupier of that property, you're required to comply with them. They can be really, really wide-ranging. So similar to rules of a body court, they can stipulate that you're not allowed pets. They could say you're not allowed your clothesline in your front yard. They could say you're not allowed to have a caravan in your driveway. And also, they could actually say you're not allowed to subdivide your land. So those things can be really shocking if you have bought land and then you come and see a lawyer and say, I'd like to subdivide, and we look at the covenants and say, actually, you can't, I'm sorry. So you need to read that stuff. And this Definitely. is what, the, one of the reasons I was keen to talk about this is it's one of the clauses we didn't talk about in the previous episode, but it is really, really important that you review this before you go unconditional to make sure that you're not walking, you're not agreeing to something uh, or buying a property that's got interests on it, that already has interests associated with it, um, that you're then not going to be happy with or, or that, you know, in the case of subdividing with uh, for property investors, you might buy a property thinking that you're going to subdivide it and then uh, and then make a profit from from that but then there's restrictions on the title that prevent you from doing that absolutely yeah and a good lawyer will look at the title before you confirm that title condition is satisfied and they'll provide you with copies of those and and go through them with you 
And another recent change, so actually it's not that recent, it's been a couple of years now, is uh, the need to have an IRD number when you're purchasing a property. And this becomes really important uh, if you're buying a property, say, through a trust. You've then got to make sure that it's got an IRD number. Yeah, it's really simple. It's a simple requirement, but it, it can get forgotten. It doesn't take very long to get one, but it is absolutely essential if your trust is buying property that you've got an IRD number. So let's, let's just walk through through that in terms of what can go wrong. Say that you're attempting to buy uh, a, a property through through a trust and it doesn't have an IRD number. What goes wrong in that case? Well, you, we actually can't register the transfer without an IRD number. So uh, it would it would mean you couldn't settle on the day if you didn't have a... Which means that you can't settle. So if you've, you've got an unconditional agreement with, with a vendor to purchase that property, you're due to settle, you yeah. can't do it because you don't have an IRD number, you may be subject to penalty interest, Yeah. which means that the vendor could potentially charge you for not settling on that property. Or you might end up having to buy it in your personal name and transfer it later, which is annoying and will cost you money. <laughs> well, and could potentially then trigger, uh, you know, let's get into the nitty gritty, uh, trigger a bright line test. So if you're having to settle that, if yeah. I've understood that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you um, if you then have to purchase that under your own name, but actually a more tax efficient structure is to hold it in a trust, or well, that's going to um, mitigate some risks, so you think that's a good thing to do. If you were to move it into a trust or sell it into a trust or a look-through company within, within that five-year Brightline test period, then any gains made on that property, where if that property's gone up in value, are going to be taxable. Absolutely. At, at your income tax rate as well. So if you're on a high bracket, you're going to be paying quite a lot of income tax. Potentially paying 33% yes. on any gains that you've made. So it's important to... to you know, just for, the, for this period, be really diligent yeah. about, about knowing what agreements, uh, what what clauses you're agreeing to, making sure that all your ducks are lined up in a, in a row and a good solicitor will look after you and make sure that that, that that happens. Now, one thing as well was around unconsented works. Yeah, so people will make an offer on a property. The agent might disclose to them there's some unconsented works or we might find something on the limb that says uh, they're not they're not consented. I think a common one is a potbelly stove in there or someone's put a bathroom into a lower level, like a garret, something that's only consented for a garret. And so they might come to, come to us and they say, no, oh, that's fine, I'm okay with that. Um... But there is an issue that you you absolutely have to notify your bank that there's unconsented works and you must be able to get insurance on the property because you cannot borrow money from a bank until you have an insurance certificate with the bank's interest noted. So if there's going to be any kind of unconsented works, you've got to go talk to an insurance company, make sure you can get an insurance certificate and tell your broker about it. And again, what this always is coming back to is don't go unconditional on a property until you've really done your due diligence. And this is, again, is, is I suppose one of the risks, you know, we talked about in the last episode uh, around auctions, is if you, if you are going and bidding in an auction and you haven't done the due diligence, then you could potentially be, be subjecting yourself to, to some real risks. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's just talk about the last one to wrap up, which was around the changes in incumbency. Have I got that right? <laughs> this is we agreed to talk about this before. Uh, change on the incumbents report. 
I think you might be referring to encumbrances when encumbrances are registered on the title. I can't read my own writing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> talk to us about this. Okay, again, this is an issue for your bank. So uh, if there's any kind of encumbrance on the title, which is quite common when you have a, a residence association or any kind of subdivision, again, it should be disclosed to the bank really early in the process. So you'll, if you've got a good lawyer, they'll go through that with you. Um, but yeah, it's a gnarly one that can can trip you up right on settlement day if you don't do it beforehand. So key messages here is there are, there are quite a number of of technical clauses uh, within each agreement. You know, there are some things that go wrong, but the key message, be diligent, you know, make sure that you understand the clauses that you're agreeing to when you're signing a contract and uh, make sure you've got your, your all of your, your ducks lined up in a row and be aware of, of what you're agreeing to. Well, the thing is in New Zealand over the last three or so year, years, there's been more legislation and more changes in the property field uh, than probably the preceding years that property has been available. So it really really, really is a minefield to make sure that you're addressing all those different uh, restrictions and consequences under the relevant legislation. Mm. Well, let's wrap it up there. Of course, thanks so much for listening along, but don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And if you want to learn more about property, then why not check out our Epic Guide to Property Investment? It's a completely free guide on our website, opaspartners.co.nz, and it's a 16,000 word guide where you don't even have to put in your email address to to actually view it and it teaches you everything that Andrew and I could think of about property uh, in some some pretty cool details. So all you have to do to get there is Google Property Investment or Property Investment NZ, it's the second or third thing that comes up, click on there and you can read uh, read for about, I think it takes 45 minutes to get through it, so it's quite comprehensive. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Shelley Fennell. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>